Well, good morning. You can turn to John 15. I'll be there in a few minutes. As Pastor Jacob said, we exist at Christ's Love Church to know his love and to share his love. So how do we do that? Well, one of the ways we do that is we cultivate small groups. So whether it's a men's group, a women's group, a prayer group, or more importantly today, a 242 small group, know that you are part of the mission when you participate in 242 groups. Now I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about prayer. And um, I feel really qualified to talk about prayer because I wanna share with you my prayer life. Uh, my prayer life is okay. I mean, it's, you know, not the best, but it's not the worst either. Notice that Michael Jordan doesn't coach basketball. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar doesn't coach basketball because the really good coaches were like the role players that uh, got to play some of the time, but not all of the time. And the experts usually don't become coaches. So here I am, I'm someone who I pray a lot, but I can coach prayer and talk about prayer because prayer has not always uh, become uh, come easy for me. I've had to struggle through prayer. Now, Bible reading is a little easier, but for some of you, it's the opposite. For some of you, you just love to pray, but reading the Bible might be difficult. But because of that, I have a heart for all of you to pray more. And that's why we're starting this series called Prayer is for Everyone. And I have some, I think, some insight. I know I have some insight that's going to help you pray more. Because sometimes when we hear teaching on prayer, it can be a little frustrating because we're thinking, man, the standard's so high. I don't know if I could ever get there. I believe this, that after today and in the coming weeks, you're not going to run away from prayer. You're going to engage in prayer a little more often. There's this perception, you know, that pastors, that all we do is pray all day long. Man, I wish. That would be great if I prayed all day long. It's a, really, my role is a highly um, complex role with a lot of different, different factors that I engage in. It's a whole list of skills that you have to develop when leading a church or being part of a church. But people will think, well, pastors must just sit around and pray all day long. Well, I wish we did, but that's not necessarily the case. But what happens is this, is that we are inserted into incredibly complex situations. It may be a text that comes at an unexpected time. It may be a phone call. It may be a counseling appointment. And these, these uh, completely complex situations come about where prayer is necessary for survival. And really, your life is that way, too. So if you think about it, is that uh, there's prayers that you choose to pray and that you engage in praying and that you plan to pray. And then there's prayers that you just react. I mean, it's like a reflex and you're just, you're just praying for survival. And my year is kind of that way too. Guys, there are some months, some months when I would love to tell you all the details of my prayer life because I've nailed it, man. I mean, I, it's just, I have, I have nailed prayer and I have it properly allotted time slots and I have lists that I'm working through and I, I have all of the things that 
go well. But I've noticed that anything that throws me just a little off pace, just a little off rhythm, can, can really disrupt the mechanics of prayer. But there's a heart even when the mechanics are not there. Hey, this year, uh, 2023, I've had several ministry trips. I've just been a lot of activity at the beginning of the year. Now, one of the ministry trips was the men's retreat. And I can't really call that a ministry trip for me because my, my biggest job there was to uh, laugh at the guys who were playing uh, two-touch football, two-hand-touch football. And that, that was great. That was entertaining. And, and remember my glory days a long time ago. Uh, that were, there wasn't much glory back then. But, but the point is, uh, all the guys who played and some of the guys who were older than me were much more uh, athletic and they were doing a great job. So that was really my ministry trip then. But being off rhythm, there's just those days where I don't get my time in the morning that I want. Can any parents relate to that? Yeah, the morning, yeah, it's just, it's just something throws it off. And then traveling and traveling with other people and different things like that. So our prayer life can feel very fragile. So right up front, I want to say this is we wrongly believe prayer is transactional. We think we say something to God and he does something for us. That, that's, how we look, that's how we judge prayer. Next week, I'm going to talk about disappointment in prayer. And, and that's going to be a heavy and I, and I think revealing subject. And that, will, that tone and that, that, that those insights will come somewhat within this teaching today. But we wrongly believe prayer is always outcome-based. It's transactional. So I say these words to God, and he has to do something for me. But I, I want to remind you about something, that prayer is not transactional, it's relational. And so prayer is relational with God and relational with one another. So this series is practical. When you start really thinking about prayer, you can't think about prayer without your theological framework um, coming through or without it bringing up many complex questions. All of you have a theological framework, even if you don't know that. What is that? That's just the way you view God. It's the way you interpret scripture. And when you start talking about prayer and its purpose and unanswered prayer or perceived unanswered prayer, all types of theological perspectives begin to come through. All types of filters. We have dozens of filters in this room and online right now of your theological framework, like the way you were taught growing up or even the way you perceive God as you're learning more about God also impacts the way you look at prayer and, and impacts those transactional aspects of prayer. But I want to be practical. We, we have the rest of our lives to go through all of those nuances and we do that through small groups and through our three-stream school of theology and so forth. But I want this to be practical where you can see the God that you love is waiting for you at all times because he loves you. I don't want this series to disqualify you for prayer. I want this series to give you a vision for prayer. I don't want this series to make you give up on prayer because I've heard some teaching on, on prayer that have made me think, hey, I'll just check out and leave prayer for the experts. I want you to believe in prayer. 
I don't want you to delegate prayer. We do that a lot. Like I have a praying spouse or I have a praying parent or I have a praying small group leader and they're praying for me. I'm going to be okay. I want you to integrate prayer. Why? Because prayer is for everyone. And prayer is going to be part of your life from this day forward. I believe that. So today we're going to talk about the purpose of prayer. And prayer creates a beautiful dependence. We're we're trained to be independent, but there is a certain dependence that can be beautiful and good. And here's my first point today. What is the purpose of prayer? Here's my first observation. Dependence on God. Dependence on God. That is the purpose of prayer. Beyond just getting God to do what we want. Beyond just getting God to be involved in the crisis. Beyond just creating our future through prayer as if if we pray enough, God is obligated to make us who we want to be. No, prayer is this beautiful dependence on God. So let's now go to our first scripture today. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 5, and I'll read it and then present it as the word of the Lord at the conclusion of this passage. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does, that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. And just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, thanks be to God. I've, I've taught on John 15 a lot. There's a lot to say there, but I just want to say a couple of things. I don't believe this is God saying some people make it to heaven and unfruitful people don't make it to heaven. I think when God cuts off a branch, there's still a branch. I see three types of Christians in these five verses. Christians who have no fruit. Christians who have some fruit and God wants to prune. And then Christians, believers who are fruitful. And so there is this this example Jesus gives that was an everyday example that was so comfortable and common to the the first people who heard it. And it also references Old Testament metaphors of the vine and the branches. And so this was very familiar religious language. And here it was, Jesus is making a very important point. Spiritual fruitfulness is connected with abiding in him, abiding in Jesus, spending time with Jesus, being in his presence, connecting with the presence of God. That's why I'm so glad that we have a church that one of our streams is a spirit stream because we want to connect with the Holy Spirit. I want you to have an experience with the Holy Spirit here so you can experience the Holy Spirit everywhere you go. Because when we're connected with the Holy Spirit into scripture and we're connected with the presence of the Lord, we will be fruitful. We've had a very, very difficult time in 
the last half of the 20th century into the 21st century with, with pastors who have fallen morally. And I, you know, I try careful not to say judgmental things about them. I've been at point, unfortunately, at the edge of doing stupid stuff before, and the Lord has helped me. But I know this is that why is it that spiritual leaders continue to fall and continue to make mistakes? Well, there, these are, there's many, many complex reasons why, but I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why is because we, and I'll just, I'll just group myself in there, are not abiding with the presence of Jesus as much as we should be. Because I know this, that when I'm praying as much as I should pray, and I have all types of prayer lists we'll talk about maybe in a few weeks. I mean, I have so many prayer lists that I never get through all my prayer lists. That's how many I have. And so there's always something to do in the spirit realm. There's always something to do with in the spirit realm. And so when we're doing the things, and now I'm talking not about pastors, I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about all Christian believers right now. When we're doing the things God's called us to do, then we're abiding in the vine and we're going to be fruitful spiritually. Like you don't have time to do something stupid if you're doing the things you're supposed to do. I mean, an affair takes a lot of time. You're sneaking around. You're texting behind people's back. You're trying to cover your bases. Embezzlement takes effort. Embezzlement takes a lot of effort. You got to lie. You've got to I mean, I've never, I've never uh, embezzled, but so I'm, I'm, I'm supposing you have to cover things up. I know this, I know sin takes our time away. And so that's why we're not trying to avoid sin as much as we're trying to pursue Jesus. When you get connected with Jesus, then you don't have the time to sin. That's a simple principle. More, more importantly, though, is when you abide in the vine, when you abide with Jesus, then he begins to transform you from the inside out. And so you're not just doing things because it's the right thing to do. And, and you're wanting to have image management. You're doing things because you're being transformed and you want to do the right thing. You want to please the Lord. You're abiding in his presence. Spiritual fruitfulness is connected with abiding with him. One time I was at Starbucks and Mauricio and I went there together. He's not here right now, but he, he's our youth pastor who was sitting on the front row. And um, I went to the restroom. There was a long line. I came back out. Mauricio did this. You know, and so I just wanted to respect the man of God and didn't want to embarrass him. So I didn't really cut in line. I just got into my rightful place, right? I got to my rightful place with Mauricio, jumped ahead of people. And what did I say? I said, Hey, I'm with him. I'm with him. We came together. I'm with him. This is, this is that dependence on God. Watch the presence of the Lord. When you're saying I'm with him, I'm with him. The presence of the Lord will promote you quicker than you can imagine. The presence of the Lord will help you make up ground that you feel like you've lost. The presence of the Lord will position you in ways that you could not have imagined before. Dependence on God is why we have prayer. That's why even our newscasters, even what we call the mass media who gives us information on the world we live in, when there is a situation that has too much gravity, And there aren't words to say. And they don't know how to transition to the next story. It is still socially acceptable to say, 
our prayers are with the family. Why do newscasters still say that? Even though sometimes there's an agenda on the news and all of that to be anti-religious or anti-Christian. Why is there that ability to still say our prayers are with the family? Because it's this reason. When the gravity of life is so heavy that there are no more words to give, then there is God. When human beings have We have exceeded our rational ability to process a situation or to make sense of evil or to make sense of darkness or there's just such a heavy loss that the soul aches for a different world, a world full of glory and a world with no sin. And so we say our prayers are with the family. Even people who would say they don't believe in God will instinctively say that. Why? Because prayer points to our dependence on God. We are dependent upon him. We're dependent on him for fruitfulness. We're dependent on God for meaning in this life. We're dependent on God for the questions that are unanswerable. And there are those questions in this life. We are dependent upon the Lord. Earlier this week, as Pastor Jacob mentioned, we had the privilege as a staff to go on a trip. Thank you for sending us there. We appreciate that so much. It was so good for our souls and for us as a team. Staying in this hotel, it's a nice hotel and nice bed, nice couch, all of that. And the thought came to me. Yeah, I've got these three nights here. But this hotel, someone's going to stay in here at least 300 nights this year. 300 nights, I did a little research on how often a hotel room is used and all of that. The national average is 68%, maybe. That's what Google said, so I don't know if it was a credible source or not, but I don't know, maybe you can, you can guess too. But so we know, like you say, 300 nights a year a hotel is used. And so people like me, we pass through and give no care for the decorations. You give no care for the constant care because we're just passing through. But there is a renter and there's an owner. And how do they see? How do they see that resource? And so I want this thought to lead us to point number two on prayer. What is the purpose of prayer? Not only is it dependence on God, but it's the perspective of God. We are the guest here on planet Earth. And he is the owner. We're passing through. Our life is brief in the scope of even the earthly story. Our life has brevity to it. The Lord has put eternity in our hearts. And that's why even as we age, we still feel like we have a long time. Because we do have a long time. We have eternity. But on this earth, we're passing through. It's fast. It's quick. It's brief because we don't own the earth. The Lord owns the earth. He is the God, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah, under the spirit of God, gives us such great insight into God. Listen to me. This is Isaiah 46 verse 3. I know some of you are catching up with me. I love hearing those Bibles move. So thanks for bringing your Bibles. Listen to me, house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been sustained from the womb 
carried along since birth. Verse 4. I will be the same until your old age. And I will bear you up when you turn gray. I have made you. And I will carry carry you. And I will bear and rescue you. Verse 5. To whom will you compare me or make me equal? Who will measure? Now we begin to hear this perspective on idol worship, which so much of our universe, excuse me, so much of our world is caught up in. Those who pour out their bags of gold and weigh out silver on scales and they hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a God, they kneel and bow to it. They lift it to their shoulder and bear it along. They set it in its place and there it stands. It doesn't budge from its place. They cry out to it. But it doesn't answer. Think about idol worship. Crying out to an image. Crying out to gold or silver or wood. Back to the scripture. They cry out to it, but it doesn't answer. It saves no one from its trouble. Verse 18. Remember this and be brave. Take it to heart, you transgressors. Remember what happened long ago. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning. And from long ago, what is not yet done, saying, my plan will take place and I will do all my will. How many know that is a God who's in charge? And that's a God who's eternal. And that's a God who's communicating to us. He's communicating to us that his will will be accomplished despite of us. And so we ought to Get in step with God's plan. And that's what prayer helps us do. Prayer helps us get God's perspective. We bring our agenda to God, but in true prayer, we get God's agenda. We, We take a wish list to God, but as prayer becomes mature and sophisticated, we discern his wish list for us. I love this about prayer. And this is what I love about prayer. When I pray more, I think more. In fact, that's one of the greatest benefits in my life to prayer is it helps me think more. Prayer actually makes me a better leader. That's not the reason I do it. It makes me a better, uh, it makes me better at my job. It makes me better in the roles God has given me. And one of the reasons why is I think about things more often when I pray. In prayer, we think longer. In prayer, we imagine the future kingdom. In prayer, we obtain God's perspective. It's sanctified imagination, anointed imagination, where we begin to see in the spiritual realm the things revealed to us in Scripture. And we begin to apply that Scripture to the situation in our life. Prayer shifts our attention, prayer instigates vision. Prayer changes the way we see things. See, guys, we don't see prayer as something we have to do. Prayer is a gift from God that begins to change the way we think, change the way we see, change the way we have vision, and we begin to get God's perspective instead of our perspective. And one of the really impactful um, stories from my childhood, I want to tell you about my, my home church or my teenage years. Uh, 
I love teenagers today for so many reasons. But here's one of the great things I love about teenagers. They sit with their parents at church. That is so cool. I'm so glad my kids sat with me at church. And, and I love that about teenagers since about the year 2000, I'd say. They've started sitting with their parents at church. In the late 80s, in the early 90s, guys, I would never sit with my parents at church. Except for Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve was the only time I sat with my parents. Other than that, we had something at our church called the youth section. And the youth section is when the first week of sixth grade, when you got to go to the youth section, it was like, it was like freedom and life. It was like, I have arrived already. But the youth section had a lot of good aspects to it. Getting to sit by certain people you wanted to sit with, getting to pass notes in those days before texting, uh, creating the synergy of, we got a church with lots of young people here because you could all see them. I mean, they were, we were the front right section from the pastor. We filled up that section. Well, that's the good thing about the youth section. The not so good thing about the youth section is we got rambunctious sometimes. And we weren't always listening and we we're playing tricks on each other and all this. And there was a big choir behind us. And here's now the story I'm getting to. There was a choir member who told our pastor, I would watch the teenagers every week and I would get so angry that they were disrespectful and so angry that they weren't listening to you and so angry they were passing notes and so angry that they were tricking each other that I couldn't even listen to the sermon. I was just enraged imagining who these kids were and who their parents were. But then something shifted. This person, I don't remember if it was a male or female, said, there was a shift in the choir loft. I decided instead of getting angry at them, that I'd start praying for them. And this person started praying for our youth section. And he or she told our pastor, I started to see a change. I started to see a shift. And that is what prayer does. Prayer doesn't always, sometimes we'd pray, Lord, sick the teenagers, Lord. Let them all just fall out. Let them be temporarily paralyzed until they submit to the living God. But as he or she prayed, they got God's perspective and begin prayer as an act of love and begin to pray for that person. So let me ask you a question, two questions. Did prayer change the teenagers or did prayer change the choir member? Okay. Here's what I want to say. Prayer is never a waste of time because it's always changing some of it, somebody. Prayer, and we'll get into this next week, I believe, if the Lord continues to lead this way. Prayer does not always change the outcome. And that's why we're so disappointed. But prayer always changes the person. I'm going to say that again. Prayer doesn't always change the outcome, but prayer always changes the person. Here's number three. What's the purpose of prayer? The glory, glory to God. We bring glory to God when we pray. Isaiah chapter 64, starting with verse one. If only you would tear the heavens open and come down so the mountains would quake at your presence just as fire kindles brushwood 
and fire boils water to make your name known to your enemies so that the nations would tremble at your presence. If only you would do that. When you did awesome works that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains quaked at your presence. From ancient times, no one has heard, no one has listened to, no eye has seen any God except you. Now look at this. Who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. This is what begins to happen when we pray and we connect the activity of the world to prayer. It's not that we're controlling the outcome. That's, that's I, I believe, from my theological framework that I'm working from, it's not that we control the outcome through our prayers. It's that God gets the glory through our prayers. And so we begin to see that God is glorified. God is glorified through the church. God is glorified through the adversity. God is glorified through the healing. God is glorified through the endurance. God is glorified through every situation and prayer gives God the glory. So we can have the promise that the God who has the ability to act in these, these ways that are manifested and seen and known is God who always acts on the behalf of us. God is glorified. Check it out, guys. When that seventh grade girl hits the high note during her solo at the junior high, God is glorified. Why? Because grandma is praying for her. But God is glorified when the peace treaty ends the multinational war. God is glorified at the high school game when the students pray beforehand as a good luck charm. That game will soon be forgotten. But God was also glorified in July of 1969 when Apollo 11 commander Colonel Buzz Aldrin became the only person to ever receive communion on the moon in 1969. So hear this, whether we pray at a PTO meeting or we pray on the moon, prayer means God is glorified. When we pray out of immaturity, like God, help me, help me make a good tackle. Or when we pray and say, God, how in the world, with how in the world did we get humanity on the moon? God gets glorified either way. And that is why we pray. The greatest friend you can have is someone you can talk about with anything. Or maybe this great friend is someone that you can talk about nothing at all. The best friends I've had in my life, there's times I just need to be with them, not hear from them. A great friend has great understanding. They understand when you need to talk. They understand your rhythm and pace. A great friend, though, understands the ministry of presence that sometimes being together is more important than the solution or the next step. And that leads me to my fourth purpose of prayer. It's friendship with God. That's what prayer is. It's friendship with God. Prayer is not getting what you want. Prayer is finding who you need. Prayer is your friendship with the Lord. John 15, verse 13 through 15. No one has greater love than this, 
to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus did that. Jesus was foreshadowing or referring to his sacrificial gift at the cross. Verse 14, these are the words of Jesus. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. So guys, as we move to closing, and I want to say this. I'm not calling the church to this old definition of prayer in our minds. Because as I've referenced before, an easy sermon is, church, we need to pray more. That works 100% of the time because it's always going to be true. I'm not calling you to that old definition. I'm calling you to replace your misconceptions about prayer with his invitation to be a friend. I'm asking you to befriend God. Befriend God. If prayer feels hard and cumbersome and you can't reach, just say, I want to be God's friend. I want to answer God's invitation to friendship. I'm asking you to love God. So what is the purpose of prayer? I gave you four points already, but let me give you the real purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to love God. That's the purpose of prayer. You're, div- you're invited into this love relationship with God. So I started out this sermon, and I thought y'all would snicker, but you guys looked shocked. Said, hey, I'm not that great at prayer. And you guys all looked at me so shocked. So maybe 1045 will give me the appropriate snicker. Yeah, I'm not that great at prayer in the old definition of prayer. But I have a friend, and he's with me on the weeks that I sleep late. And he's with me on the weeks that I travel and my rhythm's messed up. And he was with me when I had crisis in my life that I couldn't formulate prayers. I could only think about them. And that was my prayer. Because prayer is not transactional. Prayer is relational. relational. And prayer is for every single one of you. And every single one of you will pray more this week when you just become friends with the Lord.